today's show, I've got Sean Johnson, who is a UX consultant, designer, and font creator. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And you designed the ubiquitous hand of Sean that we see everywhere in all supermarkets. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Um, Sean and I host the uh, freelance web together, but you're also a very good UX designer and consultant. And we used to work together in the old days, the bad old days, didn't we? Long time you ago. You were my boss it? at one point, and you also employed me into my first design job. So I've got you to thank for all of this. Or blame. <laughs> blame. <laughs> Haven't decided yet. Um, and we're going to be kind of talking about UX in uh, branding and whether there's things we can learn from UX processes to help with branding projects. Yeah. But I thought you could introduce yourself <laughs> and what you do now and just a little bit about yourself. So, yeah, I started doing web stuff late 90s um kind of self-taught like most people for that time and progressed through uh did quite a lot of kind of right across the board stuff including branding graphic design and web and even some kind of front-end stuff and a little bit of marketing here and there so kind of you know quite quite a broad skill set um, and then struggled quite a bit locally trying to sell um design to local small local businesses they you know they they, they could get a website for free yeah. off wherever and yeah um, it, it was it was quite a hard sell and it was getting frustrating and you know you sort of whilst you're working on a project you're kind of worrying where that next project's coming mm. from and so I decided to kind of shift my focus a little bit more towards the kind of user experience side of stuff um but already we'd when we worked together, we, we kind of we had a, a very kind of usability focused approach to mm. our work, a kind of user centered. Um, it was becoming a real thing then, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think I think it kind of. I mean, UX has been around. Some of the hardcore UX heads are sorry, it's been around since mm. Year Dot, and so and it has, but it's become more popular more recently, mm. uh, particularly for a lot of agencies see it as a, a way of. It's another line item on the invoice. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, so so we we all were kind of we were always sort of focused on the user, um, but because they were kind of fairly low value projects, you, you weren't spending weeks on that part. It was kind mm. of it was more a case of thinking about the user. And I think a lot of usability stuff then was more just sort of mm. thinking about the user and a lot yeah. less, you know, doing user research and, yeah. and, and and that kind of stuff. I mean, user personas were just becoming kind of a little bit of a buzzword when I left that job. They weren't really that bigger thing at that point but yeah. i think we were starting to focus on them a little bit more and, and things like that yeah um and, and kind of mapping out user journeys yeah. and stuff it was kind of um you know it it was a lot more kind of wireframing things and, yeah. and that kind of and i think that for a lot of people now particularly when you see the role of a ui stroke ux designer that's what's expected mm. of them is to do some wireframes and then design the website off the back of those yeah. wireframes um and I've got a little gripe in that that that's not you know that's just a small part of the mm. big UX thing. Um, so yeah, so I, I decided that you know if I wanted to do more of the stuff that I've I've been wanting to do for a long time, I I need to start you know jumping on a train because there's not mm. many big projects where we're based. Um, and and so you've worked with some pretty big clients. 
Yeah, but I mean, they, they, you know, big, uh, most most sort of contractors working on agencies are working on big sort of six and seven mm. figure projects for big global names. Yeah, uh, certainly not names I would have got off my own back. <laughs> sort of, it, you wouldn't dream of as a small little kind of brand designer mm. or, or web designer working on Coca Cola when you're working at your spare yeah. room, right? So, so I think we all know that UX is a big part of a brand in the term using the word brand as in you know the anatomy of a brand part of that is user experience i would say probably one of the most important parts if not the most important. Uh, yeah absolutely Uh, there's 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 a you know i've done a bit of brand work over the years and i've you know whenever i've kind of sold it whether it's been you know content on my website or if i've you know a pitch presentation I've I've always referenced a, a quote by Martin Neumeyer and from his book The Brand Gap, where he says um, a, a brand is a person's gut feeling about a product, mm. service, or or company, um, and it's it's not what you say it is; yeah. it's what they say it is. So as much as us as designers can design what we think that brand should look like, it's it's what they feel yeah. about it so you know it's it's what we, we're almost creating this veneer to the brand um and then it's ultimately then gets presented to the user i mean and that can you can have big influence there you know if you've got big tv budgets the thing you know like our, our image of father christmas mm. comes from coca-cola's rendition of yeah. it right so it's you know before that he wore a green suit yeah you know? so it, it it can be very powerful um, but ultimately, it's it's what that the consumer, the person at the end of the line, experiencing yeah. that brand, and that's the word there, right? It's experience. Yeah, exactly. It, it's you know, and and you know, we 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 say user experience, but I and there's a lot of people who come from a, a, a similar way of thinking as I do. It's 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 a lot less about user experience, and it's just experience design, yeah. you know, because it goes way beyond that user's interaction it you know it, it takes into account what they're doing before the interaction with the brand mm. um you know and very often you say user experience you you immediately think about an interaction with a digital product or website or, mm. or an app or something but actually you know it's it's any kind of interaction you know it's 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 you know walking into a shop it's going to an event and it's kind of so there's there's lots of things there and i've i've always felt that you know, brand is all about experience. So you'd say like when you walk into an Apple shop, that's user experience. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You know, you, you walk in there you, and, and if you've never been in there before, it's quite, oh, what, what do I do? You mm. almost have to kind of figure it out. Um, but you very quickly figure it out because you can see it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's... And it's how, I guess it's like <clears throat> when you walk in somewhere, say a clothes shop and they're either completely ignore you that is part of your user experience, isn't it? Yeah. And or they're overbearing and won't leave you alone. Yeah. But yeah, all yeah. of those things go. But then that, you know, that's I, I I I've been in places where they totally ignore you, and and you're like, oh, sod that. I'll go and I'll go and spend my hundred yeah. pounds on a pair of jeans somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. Some people like that. Yeah, and some people feed off that because if they then get the attention, they feel like they've scored, and mm. then they feel like part of yeah. that brand. And it's kind of so it's kind of you know maybe maybe that. That whole experience of being an ignorant tosser in a show, in a clothing shop is, it, it, you know, it might be manufactured. Nine I, times out of ten, it's not. But no, I saw an absolutely brilliant. Uh, I can't remember which store it was. It was doing it where there were two coloured baskets that you'd pick up when you go yeah. in, and green was that you were happy for someone to approach you and talk to you, and oh, okay. red was that you just wanted to be left alone. I thought yeah. that was absolutely brilliant 
way of doing things. I just yeah. thought it was clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's giving giving people a choice, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I guess all of that feeds into your brand. Um, when you go and work for, so when you go and kind of consult um, in the, the big city, um, are you aware, do they tell you, do you, do you have to learn about the brand of the company you're working for? Do you need to kind of, or are you helping move that brand and change it or do you have a set of guidelines or is it different for each one i I guess uh, the simple answer is it's different for each one but you 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 have to i mean sometimes you can be quite familiar with a brand particularly if it's a global household name you know you get you have a feel you have your you have your gut feeling about that product Mm. right so you've kind of got uh some a preconception of of the brand um but absolutely, learning about it is is all part of the kind of discovery mm. process. That said, the, you know, very often when, when you when you are designing an experience, particularly for a kind of a digital experience, you kind of the the brand is almost secondary mm. um, to to what you're doing because you're you're going to learn about that person who's going to be using this thing first, and part of that process you might you might speak to them you might observe them yeah. you might you know you do whatever um research that's that's fit for the project so then come away and then you design a solution to that so you're not really um taking the brand into that and having the brand influence and that at that stage i don't feel it, it then probably comes a bit later in the kind mm. of when you get into the the the, the visual treatment yeah. the visual design uh, part of that um you then start bringing in what traditionally that brand has looked like mm. and applying it to what you're kind of you know because wireframes are like gray boxes on a on a white background yeah. some black text there's no real brand there that says you can quite easily and very often in the past i've kind i might have used some kind of brand specific fonts um just to start getting yes. a, so that the client can attach themselves mm. to it a little bit um but but generally speaking it's kind of you know you're designing for that user and i think you could probably take something from that in terms of you know anything that does exist currently that you might learn about the brand from will be what that client has yeah. put together so it may or may not be right yeah okay absolutely. it all depends on how that brand was created in the first place um and you know i think I think if you if you go into if you can go into a branding project with a little less preconception mm. about how you want to be perceived and learn first of all about the client and then mm. maybe learn how they would want you to be perceived. So maybe you're getting a truer version of the brand from the client from the kind of end user. Absolutely. Then you would because it's actually from the client. That your your brand yeah. is how they perceive you. So, you know, don't don't go to them thinking this is how we want to be perceived. Yeah. Just go to them first and find out. Yeah. If, you know, you don't have to you know, you go say, how would you want us mm. to be perceived by you? Yeah. yeah that's, that's a dumb question, right? But but going to talk to them and understanding how how why they would need you, your products, yeah. your services, and kind of get that would then inform how you need to be presenting yourself to them. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And yeah, getting a a kind of a better idea where well, you're getting an honest idea of what people think of you, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So 
that can be so would you say that when you're starting to design a brand or when when one is starting to design a brand it would always be a good idea to talk to your clients customer base absolutely i i don't see it, when you're design you know, design is problem solving okay it might be solving a problem aesthetically you know beautiful I can't, there is a phrase that something like you know design is solving a problem beautifully or something mm, like that i yeah. never get, I, I, I i never get these quotes right <laughs> they're stored in there somewhere but they'll get jumbled <laughs> up and come out wrong very often but but it's all about problem solving it's not about just producing something that looks lovely it, it's it's solving a problem fundamentally so if you're trying to solve a problem for somebody and ultimately you know it's you're solving a problem for that customer how can you solve it if you don't fully understand what it is mm. because even if even if even if you or the client um have a good idea about what they want to be producing that unless they've spoken to their customers you know in some shape or form you know you don't have to physically speak to them you can have surveys and mm. things you know and, and unless you validate that first with them you had you know it's the right thing yeah so how you know that's what I was going to say no it's like how that's that's kind of easy on a larger project on a smaller project because we all we do end up working on some smaller mm. projects would you say use a survey or something like i that? well the, it's it's the, 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 there's a big preconception that user research is is a hard sell mm. and we, we we still get it all the time even on projects that have got you know tens of thousand pounds off a budget is um the the smallest part of it is the user research mm. and they they just see okay well let's pump all our money into the, mm. the into the production and get the thing designed and built and out there but actually it doesn't have to be expensive you know it it, it can be but you know how many how many small businesses uh, have have a good uh relationship with their clients mm. on a one-to-one you know yeah it, it sort of they, they could probably Personal, ring somebody up yeah. and say look we, we, we've got an agency is going to be working on yeah. some branding for us or do is it, you know, we'd yeah. we, love you. Yeah, absolutely. Or here's, you. here's the tenor off your next purchase or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't think you need to even, you know, because no. you, 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 you're starting Especially to kind of devalue a little yeah, bit. It's yeah. like, you know, we're we, we, you're just using that kind of, t- look, we, we, we want to ensure that we're serving mm. you the best we can be and we need to make sure that what we do is right. Yeah. Would, would you know, how, how would you feel about, answer you know speaking to them and answering some questions you've got i think you've got a much more direct access to your customer or your end user than a lot of big corporate companies mm, have yeah so t- you know take advantage of it mm. if if you need to um uh recompense them with a mm. 20 pound gift voucher or you know a, a pint of the weekend in the pub or whatever that I mean you, ups, go go ahead but you don't i think you, you don't need to sell it to them i think that the selling part of it is your kind of you're almost strengthening your brand to them by saying, look, we want to make sure mm. we're doing the right thing for you. It would really help us out if you can let us know how we can help you better. Mm. It's kind of, it's, it's putting a bit more value yeah. towards them, isn't it? Getting them involved, making yeah. them feel that they're part of a family. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, that, that uh, you, you can get a little focus group together of about maybe five or six customers. I'm not a big fan of focus groups because they tend to, they tend to get, um, the, the the strongest voice tends to come through 
do you more than others feel as well that they feel a pressure to be relentlessly positive um, um yes and no if they've come it, into the office as, of the you know yeah but you you also you also get as much you know, as much as they are unanimously positive about something, they can be the same yeah. negative. So just it kind of, in, yeah. I just feel that I think if you've got an opportunity to speak to six customers, whether they are real customers or potential mm. customers or from that demographic, they've been maybe recruited from a, um, a, um, a kind of research recruitment company. I think you, you're, you're going to get much more value out of speaking to them individually than yeah. you are as a group. Yeah. Um, you know, with with that comes skill. I've we I've I've been to various kind of user testing sessions or user research sessions where we might have been testing a product, but part of that is kind of interview mm. as well. So we're sort of talking about you know why they might be using that product and all the kind of things around it. And we've gone in and observed agencies that specialise that. You know, especially even in central London, mm. where you'd expect some of these big name agencies yeah. that you've probably heard of. Um, you know, almost leading the usability mm. testing yeah. and, you know, uh, directing questions a particular way. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a it's a, a very good skill to have to not mm-hmm. lead people. Oh, I've said that right. It, it's it's easy okay, to lead yeah. people the way you want yeah. the answers to go. Yeah, of course. Versus yeah. um genuine yeah, feedback facilitating yeah. a, a conversation and that's not directed a certain way so you get out real mm. valuable information because what well, you know it's no point you know, I've, there have been instances where i've gone in and you know um, I've, I've had to go into a, a user research session and and the only option mm. i've got is to validate that product because they've spent two months on a creative pitch no user research so they don't know if it's the right thing or not. Mm. And now they've got to validate it because they don't want to waste that money. They want to make sure they get the pitch. So I've got yeah. to go in and get a load of research that backs oh it up. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> when actually it's fallen flat on its arse and yeah. all, the, all the data I can get invalidates it. Yeah. Um, how do you know, how do you ask the right questions? How do you know? Because, I mean, it's easy to ask questions, isn't it? But Yeah, it, I, it goes, it's kind of back to that kind of... I mean, I well, I, I say it's sort of sales and marketing one hundred and one, but I, maybe not a lot of people have had exposure to it. When I was when I was a young lad, I did lots of those kind of sales mm. jobs and went on lots of those kind of sales executive courses where you learn to ask open questions and mm. you know, is the car blue or what color is the car? Mm. And it's all about kind of asking asking a question in a way that doesn't specifically get to the answer that you want it might it may it's asking a question in a way that may or may not get to the answer mm. that you think you wanted but yeah and do you think brand designers need to have that they all it, brand designers really need to have that to a certain degree I, but well i think yeah absolutely but not just brand design any any designer anybody solving a problem whether it's a you know an engineering problem or a, a brand problem or a user interface problem you know you you kind of you need to be able to ask questions to get information from people because if you ask questions that are going to get a specific answer, there's not much difference in that than you just going ahead mm. and doing what you think was right anyway. Yeah. So you need to be able to ask questions in a way that kind of get them to maybe give you that answer you wanted, but with a lot of Mm. packaging around it as to the reasons why yeah. they're thinking that way and to confirm that maybe it was the right yeah. decision or the wrong yeah. decision or the wrong decision yeah they yeah. may you know maybe they don't 
they wouldn't have gone down that path, but mm. you can kind of stimulate a discussion as to, you know, why they wouldn't have gone down yeah. there and get their motivations around things because it's all about it's all about context. Um, and whilst they might they may may or may not do something, that's not an explicit yes or no. It's it may be yes or no at that point of time yeah, or in that, that scenario. Yeah, yeah. But in another scenario, it might be a different answer. Yeah. And I, I think you can kind of, because you know, people have asked me before about how, you know, how can I get better at asking those questions. I think it's you know, listening to interviews and watching interviews. There's um, there's a thing on, I don't know if it's still on, it used to be on Dave in the UK, like the kind of comedy mm. channel with Alan Davis sitting around a table with four or five other celebrities and mm. it just you know, yeah a, I think a I remember pub it. chat type yeah. thing the conversation flows and it's thinking about re- thinking about research more as a conversation rather than you having a clipboard full of questions that you mm. need to answer you kind of you know think of it more of a a, a a chat with mates down the pub yeah you know yeah definitely where people can open up and yeah because yeah. when you when you do have a and and we found this doing doing podcasts right is we can have a list of questions mm-hmm. and you start going down this list of questions somebody answers the first question and that could have gone off in oh, a really yeah, yeah. fantastic Definitely, direction yeah but it doesn't because you've gone on to the next question yeah and it's and like, you're not listening to what that person no, actually said yeah. and picked up on that yeah yeah absolutely I think I. I love podcasts, as we've talked about before, and you can definitely, I love true crime podcasts and things and, and just, you know, quite in-depth interviews and stuff. You can definitely tell that different, you know, interviewers who are very, very good at mm. what they do because they ask quite a simple question. They let, just let people speak and they really listen to what that person's saying, whereas, you know, other people just want to hear their own voice, really. Yeah. Um, is there a point where we need to throw out not throw it out what i'm trying to say is is there a point where we go right i've got the user experience but also i need to bring my skills and experience into this and go this way with it uh, how, how do you mean okay so from I've, what perspective so i've had some designers i've spoken to some people who would be absolutely user experience really really important when designing a brand and i've had others who are like no I, you know, I, I'm leading the way with this. I'm directing this because I kind of, we've got a lot of experience or whatever. Um, is there a time where you have to take the lead and disregard some of the user experience? I think, I think disregarding anything that's come out of, um, a, a, a decent process, particularly, you know, if you've spent time researching real people, and real users and you disregard any of that you, you, crazy you, you, you may or may not fall flat on your face but you know you, you'll, you'll be a fool to ignore it yeah you, you, that said you know you've got you've got experience um you know obviously the longer you're in the game the, the more experience you gain in 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 understanding um how things work and there's a lot to take away from what you do and apply to branding i think isn't there with brand design yeah but what 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 i i don't think it's specifically <clears throat> the ux design process i think it's good, design, process design process generally yeah. um yeah. you know because because many of the things that we do in user experience design um and, and user interface design and whatever those specific digital things are they're coming from a kind of design thinking background which you know it's it's 
it's kind of good practice it's good theory around design mm. that's kind of informed and we've we've developed processes and things over time to just ensure that what we what we produce kind of is more successful yeah. first time around i one thing that i've kind of mentioned to quite a few guests that have had has had a really mixed reaction is a b testing of not so much branding because that's but like logo design mm. um and I, some people love the idea of it and other people are like, nah. And I know that um, I, when I spoke to Michael Beirut, they they don't do that at all. But obviously the recent kind of redesign of the Firefox logo, that went out to public and so all users or testing people. So what do you think there's a place for that in kind of um... logo design? But at what yeah, you know, what stage do they test it? Is it a case of putting the new idea for a logo up against the existing logo and seeing what yeah. people's reactions are? Or is it that I mean, you do the dreaded thing where you have to produce two different versions, which, which obviously, the public want. yeah, I think which is it, a minefield. You know, anything with kind of A/B testing would be a way of deciding on a logo, I guess, if if other avenues fail. But I think you know, getting to a point where you've got a logo and you want to test it, see if it works, you know, how much process has gone into getting to that point? And I wonder if you could have some form of testing further down the line. So Mm. before you get to that point, I wonder if it would help with the fallout from, you know, well-known say like the Slack logo redesign. I wonder if that would help with the fallout and the kind of, not that you have to justify it to the design community anyway, but. um, Do you know what I think? I think that's, (laughs) <laughs> that that's the only place we seem to that we need to justify it to because it is it, it's, it's i wonder how many slack users outside of the design community gave a toss that they changed the logo yeah um and you know it, it's any wherever you see you, the gap did the blue box thing mm. with their logo and you know it's it was all it was all chatter on within the, the design community. You know, mm. why have they done this and why have they, you know, oh, this is crazy and they haven't done this, they haven't thought about that. Yet, you know, and it's the same argument. You hear, you hear the stories all the time. It's like, well, you don't know the what, backstory, what the, yeah. the backstory is and all this kind of stuff. And ultimately, you know, does it matter? You know, it, what was it? As It certainly didn't, I don't think it affected the brand in any of those things. Well, it's had the opposite effect. I mean, especially with Slack, well, it's only raised the profile <laughs> any more, press hasn't is, it? Is yeah. press, isn't it? So, um, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think I think we, we it, it's easy for us within the design community to to create a, a factor in the output of our work that doesn't need to be there. Mm. And it's, it's, it's the... Oh, what do my peers think about this? We shouldn't this? try and appease those people. We I, should. I don't no. think so. I think, and I think um, I, your idea about A/B tests, I think it's it's a good one. I don't know specifically how it works. No. I can see, obviously, take you know, it's that, that taking ideas. But I think if you got to a point where you're you've got a logo that you're happy to go with, mm. but you just want to test it against the real one, mm. maybe. But is that too late? Should you be testing? Some of the, you know, because why are you testing it? Yeah, and I also think that like people often feel more comfortable with the one that they're familiar yeah. with, and that doesn't necessarily. Yeah, so mean, you get you, yeah. you, you you may get, but, but also bias, see with yeah. with AB testing, it's a kind of you 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 make a small change to something, and in the environment that it normally exists, 
but you don't announce it mm. and you sort of you then look at the results so it might be it, it could be an icon particular icon if you're struggling to say well which icon serves this mm. uh this narrative better and you can kind of serve them up and then you can look at the stats and say well actually more people clicked on that mm. and so what what's it going to tell you you know why are you why are you a b testing it is it is it to find out which one people prefer because then you know that's the same as putting it up in the survey and to say which one do you prefer mm. and it's it's subjective Absolutely. so what i i'd always you know any 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 time you wanted to run a test you need a clear definitive mm. outcome of what you're trying to achieve with that test and if it's just to get gauge people's opinion on what they think about it you know do they like it or not that 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 to me you know it's if 50 people like it 50 people out of 100 like it what are you going to do keep the original one mm. or put it like you Even know you know it's not right for what you're but then they don't why, understand the backstory or no no absolutely but then but then why what's what's not right with the original logo mm. um or if it's a new brand if you're putting two logos side by side i think um I, I i i'm not sure i'm not sure if that's the right place to test it i think i mean also i guess we've all done that to a degree in in the bad old days when we used to send out three or four versions of a logo that we felt absolutely you know, we maybe and, had to and, do that. and i know i know i know how i work and i'm I, i'm pretty sure you work in a very similar yeah. way for it you know you you work on you put all your efforts into the best possible yeah, yeah, solution exactly. and it's a one concept idea right yeah you know you don't we don't we're not doing 10 logos to choose from anymore mm. or even just three because i'm always you, banging that drum and i yeah. think what we're talking about with it i guess a b testing is just like a slightly further down the line version of that isn't it and what you end up with to a degree is this mon- possibly could end up with is this kind of monster you know oh, absolutely. frankenstein's yeah, monster yeah. kind of a bit of a and a bit of b and yeah you know. we like this part of it yeah. and yeah so i think it's something that i've heard mentioned more and more within logo design and stuff and people are either vehemently against it yeah. or I, yeah I, i'm not sure if in to answer your question i don't know if mm-hmm. a b testing a logo would be a thing for me i would much prefer i i would want to i would want to rely on my confidence as a as a designer to say what what i get to at the end of my process is is the solution mm. to that problem it's it's you know this logo is right for this brand let's go mm. And then let it almost let it grow into its shoes and kind of yeah. become the thing. Um, and then over time, you know, there's no reason because the 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 Slack logo had a they had to adjust it, didn't they? Because yeah. the logos weren't right. Yeah. I mean, that's something that everyone kicked off again. But that's Which is great. Well, they, well it, it is great. Listen but to three feedback things, though. And... Yeah, no, absolutely. But in t- it, but in terms of you know those things should happen anyway. You should be able to yeah. adjust as you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they were going, they were going like, um, oh, we, you know, it was uproar when the first one was launched and then they tweaked it and there was uproar because it had changed again. And you're like, well, you didn't like the, f-, you know, you were saying <laughs> that you'll never get used to the first one, but already you're used to the first one yeah, and crazy. you want it to stay the same. Crazy. But I do think there is, I think there's a, definitely I'm always like banging the drum about doing one design or one idea and then developing that but yeah. I also think it's really important to at that point listen to feedback whether it's from client or their you know focus group or whatever absolutely because- and that's why I think rather than mm. me wanting to a b test that thing yeah if I've got to that point and I've produced a logo based on my process I want that I'll be confident in that I don't need to test it yeah there you go that that's right for that brand and I would get to that point by 
by by speaking to or having some kind of interaction with the people who are going to consume yeah. that again. So I got an, I I understand what sort of things excite them, what you know the context in which those things excite them, mm. um, because you know you can be happy and sad and at different points in your life or different scenarios that could be happening that influence how you feel about things yeah. in a certain way. So I, I'd want to. I'd feel comfortable that I've got all that information to go through. So all the things I go through, all my ideation and thumbnail sketches and stuff have all been informed by what I know that user is going to get excited about Mm. and what's going to engage them. So then when I get to that point, I don't need to test it because I'm confident. Now, within that process, I might want to test some things with users. You maybe test some color palettes. You can maybe test some different. Yeah. uh, But I think, yeah, I'd be, I'd want to, I'd be confident in that, what I'd produced at that point. Was, was right. ready to go. Yeah. yeah. I've had some brilliant feedback from clients, though. I mm. don't think you need to be scared of that, do you? No, no. I've absolutely. had clients that have, I've been like, yes, that's very good. That's actually a brilliant point. <laughs> and I think if you ever get to that end of the process and you've created a logo that you think, oh, maybe I should do another one just in case I don't like this one, or I don't know if I like this, I don't think this, if this is right or not. If you've got that much doubt, I don't think you've done enough early no. on in the process to understand the the customer's that you're designing for and i also think this is why when companies put out to tender and you and they want you to produce one or two ideas that they are just shooting themselves in the foot mm. there and yeah. but then but then it's it's it, it's education in it they're, they're probably they're, they're familiar with a design process where you know because go back in the day that's what everybody did. They did two or three different web designs. Do you remember when we used to do yeah. websites for schools? We'd oh send God, over yeah. a couple of different designs that they'd choose from. It's yeah. kind of it's how the design industry worked a little bit, you know. Yeah. And it's it, it that's what they've been used to. But I still, I mean, I still sometimes get approached by companies who are like, "We want you to pitch for this. Can you produce a couple of different or three different like logo ideas or mm. whatever?" And um. They're just missing out on that huge, um, you know, and then they'll pick one, you know. And I always find if, if that ever has happened, I try not to do those kind of jobs. But if it does happen, then and I get picked and win the job. It's always just an uphill struggle mm. to get that right from that point because they haven't yeah, been absolutely. able to do all the groundwork. So, yeah. Well, that was very interesting to chat with you. If you've heard a little noise in the background, it's because we have Sean's we sun here as it's the half term what's he doing watching youtube videos he's watching youtube videos yeah, Fortnite, i bet no no okay. he's built a beautiful robot out of lego as well <laughs> which is very stunning um well thank you very much sean and no uh thank you for having me it's been great to chat with you and not in the freelance web capacity thank you Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show with me old mate, Sean. Um, I think there were some really interesting points that he raised in that, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, you can contact me on Twitter at Liz underscore E or at Elastic Brand Pod, or you can fill out the contact form on our site um, at theelasticbrand.com. Bye.